Distilled is a production of Chemical Processing. Chemical Processing focuses on serving engineers, designing and operating plants in the chemical industry. Welcome to the Solution Spotlight edition of our Chemical Processing Distilled podcast. Solution Spotlight, delving deeper into a topic from an industry perspective. I'm Tracy Purdom, Executive Editor of Chemical Processing, and today we are talking about the need to improve sustainability practices and how AI-driven solutions that target machine health and process health can help with strategy and results. Joining me today is James Newman, Head of Product and Portfolio Marketing with Augury. Augury provides solutions that help eliminate production downtime, improve process efficiency, maximize yield, and reduce waste and emissions. The company's goal is to empower customers with prescriptive insights into their processes and machines through AI-driven technology and industry-specific expertise in order to help them transform how they work. Thanks for chatting with me, James. Uh, Thank you, Tracy, for having us. Delighted to be here. You know, let's just get right into it. What are some of the unique challenges that chemical manufacturers face in terms of sustainability efforts? So let's start with the obvious. Uh, chemical processing by its very nature is, is very energy intensive and the processes themselves are, well, they're full of chemicals. With that said, the challenges faced by chemical manufacturers in, in leading tackling sustainability mostly start with a cultural mind shift. And although that's not so different from other industry verticals, it's important to understand there's some unique challenges for, for, for chemicals just by the very nature of the processes. But like for most companies, and most companies really don't know where to start or what strategies will make the biggest impact on their investments, and, and while at the same time, they still have to remain profitable. You know, that challenge of profitability versus the planet versus people has, has been a zero-sum game for well over 100 years now. Uh, yet, uh, you know, the challenge is you can optimize for something, but you can't optimize for everything. Or you, you have to make trade-offs that perhaps aren't good for one but to, to do the other. And, None of our chemical companies are, are non-profits. They all need to make a profit, and they have to keep that in their mind. Just like other manufacturers, chemical manufacturers have, have to tackle this dilemma, this zero-sum game. How do I remain profitable while doing my best to, to maximize all of my sustainability efforts? It's a, it's a hard challenge, but it's, it's not one that uh, it, it can't be left behind any longer. It has to be addressed now. Absolutely. And talking about sustainability outlooks and goals, I, Everything is so fast-moving. What has changed in the past five years for the industry in terms of outlooks and goals for sustainability? You know, it's an interesting conversation about that. You know, a little bit over a decade ago, getting close to almost two decades ago, uh, the phrase carbon footprint came into being. It came into our nomenclature. And and it was really, to to be quite honest, it was an attempt to shift the, the concept of sustainability accountability away from corporations and towards the general public. Today, investors, regulators, the general public, even employees, they know better. They reject that concept that it's that corporations don't have a play in sustainability. And there's a lot more pressure being applied now to every level of an organization to be more sustainable. Things like the recent changes in financial reporting that have been announced by the EU and probably coming soon now regulations from the SEC mean that the ideas of claiming sustainability but not really doing anything about it have to come to an end. Even the era of we've paid for somebody else to do something, plant trees on our behalf, and we're going to claim credit for that, are coming to an end. And the ability for companies to greenwash their activities 
is going to be under a lot more scrutiny than ever before. That whole changes the dynamic over the last several years. But the good news about that is that manufacturers are already sort of taking steps to respond correctly to that. Most companies have fairly robust and well-communicated strategies and policies for sustainability efforts. Uh, one of your sister publications, Plant Services, is just about to publish a report that they called the ESG Paradox, Policy versus Practice. And in that report, uh, focusing specifically on the, on the chemical industry, the research shows that most companies have a really defined policy in practice. But at the same time, it hasn't really translated yet into, uh, into the organization in a meaningful and tangible way. And what I mean by that is, even though the policies and programs are a right direction step, the fact that people themselves aren't yet being held accountable for sustainability objectives and their daily goals or is treated as a side project isn't, shows we're not yet there. So with all of this scrutiny that is coming and all this interest from employees and other people, chemical manufacturers have to be able to take a look at that and actually translate that from policy and procedure to goals and objectives that they can go tackle to, to respond to what's going to continue to be an ever-growing need to be able to prove sustainability. You bring up a good point. It's that lofty, feel-good, warm, fuzzy that, um, you know, some companies, for the lip service, I guess we can say, they put that out there. But now they're really being held to it, and they do have to uh, make some changes and make – and I think a lot of companies are. I don't want to, to get to the point of thinking that that's not happening, but – Pedal to the metal has to happen more. So I want to talk yeah, to you exactly about. Right. I, I want to talk to you about some of the examples of technology that are available uh, for chemical manufacturers today that maybe weren't available ten years ago that will help them put that pedal to the metal. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Your point's exactly right. This is about how do we accelerate this and make it really tangible and actionable and not just not just a marketing ploy, right? So. If you look at the majority of chemical manufacturers, what's really new now, what's really changing the dynamic is our ability to use AI and other advanced analytic solutions to transform the way we manage the manufacturing process from top to bottom. For example, continuous monitoring of assets isn't really a new concept. People have been doing that a long time. What is new, however, is being able to have very prescriptive real-time asset and insights that, that do two things. They prevent machine failure, which is where most people start, and they talk about that. But also, they begin to understand suboptimal operation of assets, which is actually much more accessible now than ever before. And if you think about that from a sustainability perspective, both of those are kind of critical. Machine failures lead to defects, which has an extremely cascading sustainability impact. At the same time, however, machines that run inefficiently consume a lot more energy maybe as much as 12 to 15% more energy. So when you know when machines are running suboptimally in real time, that now means you can make better decisions on how to maintain them to, A, avoid downtime, but also to ensure that they do their job with the least amount of energy necessary. So that's kind of a machine side. But we also have to talk about the process side, and there's lots of monitoring solutions available on that today. But if you look at process optimization today, it's always been a single-dimensional challenge. Do you have your team pick the best operating envelope for quality? Or do you pick throughput? Or do you pick energy emission? Those three things are not necessarily all lined up. And in the traditional methods, you can pick one of them and maybe get lucky and do something about one of the others. 
Today, we have AI-driven solutions that enable you to do dynamic and multidimensional process optimization, which means you now get to set your objectives for all, all of those factors at one time and, and find the raw operating envelope that lets you get as close to perfect as you can and continually update that as your business objectives and your external conditions change. So when you look at those two things in, 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 in factor, and there are a host of other technologies that come along too, What's really different now is the ability to take a lot of the knowledge we've had for a long time, but do it at speed and at scale to make decisions in real time and not as a lagging indicator of what we're doing. So it's all about transforming the way we manufacture in a way that allows us to actually choose sustainability as an objective. It can be overwhelming. There's a lot going on. Um, and obviously, sustainability goals have been in the the view for companies, uh, but it's a challenge for them because these goals need to pay off for myriad, for many, many different areas, companies, shareholders, the environment, right. and the employees. What's different today? You, you touched on it. We have that knowledge. We have the machine health knowledge. We have real-time visibility. Is anything different today that, that you can go forth on and, and maybe give us a little more insight? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, you say it yourself, right? There's a lot more of a sense of an urgency to make significant strides due to the amount of attention that's being paid to sustainability. The, and by the way, that's not an external issue only, right? If you look at our newest generation of workers, they're highly environmentally and socially conscious, and they want to work with companies who have similar goals and objectives to what they do. You know, sustainability is not really a new topic. We've talked about this, and people hired chief sustainability officers more than a decade ago. What's different today is the fact that it can now be, stop being a side project and be part of the way we operate and measure our progress. You know, the, the, the opportunity now is we all know we need to run our assets more efficiently to have higher efficiency, higher gain. There's nothing new about that desire. What's different, however, is now we can do that in a way that actually accounts for sustainability. It allows them to do what they should do to make their assets more profitable, make their production lines better, to improve their quality, all those things that are traditional objectives. But now embed inside of that the sustainability objective. As I said before, and as you mentioned, you know, it's not that we didn't do that before. We didn't know that concept before. But there's always been a disconnect. And I can, I can solve for profitability or I can go be a sustainable company. And everybody talks about being able to bridge that gap. The technologies we have in place today, because of things like AI and real-time monitoring and things like that, actually allow us to achieve that, to actually see that in real time. You know, most sustainability efforts today are lagging indicators. Oh, I burned this much energy. Now I'll look and see if there's a way I can change that next time. Right? That's, not what, that's not where we are now. What we're able to do now is say, I'm burning too much energy. What adjustment can I make right now to bring that down without sacrificing my other objectives? That's the big change we're talking about here, is the fact that it becomes real-time and right-time monitoring of sustainability in parallel with these other objectives that we, we know we're not going to sacrifice. Here's the question for you, and it might be the $64,000 question, but how, how do you get the folks that need to, to grasp these KPIs and goals, how do you get them um, to, to be on board with this? 
to be seen as vital to them, you know, the plant managers and the maintenance staff and the operators? What what do we do there? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great question. And, and as we talked about the, the research I mentioned before, prove there's a, there's a disconnect there that we have to solve. It's, it's exactly a timely question. It's an important question. In my view, there's really two things. Number one is you, giving somebody a goal. Let me back up and say that differently. People do what they're measured against. It doesn't matter whether you're in sales, whether you're in production, whether you're in quality. People people work to to do what they're measured against. It's just a fact of how we all live. We did it in school. We do it in work. We do it in our lives. Everything's about what what we're being measured against is what we what we excel to try to excel at. This is what has to happen. First of all, the, you know the, the idea of talking about sustainability is very different than looking at about how we embed sustainability into our into our daily goals. If I have a goal in my production line to reduce uh, energy emissions by 10%, and that's part of my performance metric, I'll pay a lot more attention to that than to a we have a corporate goal of dropping our energy emissions by 10%. Look at all this renewable stuff we're doing. By the way, renewables are a good thing. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just trying to bring it down more tangibly. The, the operating line person doesn't have anything to do probably with that renewables project. But if you say you want his production line to, to reduce his energy emissions by 10% and he's being measured against that, he'll pay attention to that. And that becomes something he's, he's going to strive to do. So I would say the issue here is we have today is, is you have to be able to measure them, but you have to also give them the tools to succeed by. And so it's, it, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a cohabitation here of we need to have real tangible goals in place that are, in fact, part of what you do every day, right? Saying I want to, you know, uh, save 25,000 trees in the Amazon rainforest is, is a lofty goal. It's a wonderful goal, but the average person on the production line isn't impacting that. And that's, that's sort of the thing we have to do. We have to be able to translate it down into the what do I do every day? What am I getting measured about? And then the second half of that is to deploy uh, technologies and, and enabling solutions that help people actually do that. You know, it's one thing to set people up for failure. It's different things that set them up for success. And, and I, I say it like this sometimes. I can go deploy technology. The technology is just a tool. It's just a thing. And if people use it or they don't use it, and technology really enables you to measure two things. It enables you to measure failure. Uh, if you don't change the way you work, you don't do anything else, what it's going to measure for you is the failure to get better. That's not what we want it to do. What we want to do is have the, the metrics and the goals and the people engaged to something they actually care about that makes the technology measure success and measure change. It helps us see when we're not doing that so we can go take new actions. So that's kind of a long answer. Sorry, it was quite so rambling. But the, the real goal here is that the goal here is that in, until we can translate that down into the today, I get up and I think about as one of the things I need to do to succeed this thing, whether that's reduce waste or reduce water consumption or reduced energy emission on this line. It'll never be what we want it to be. We have to get to that level of ingraining, embedding these objectives into the daily lives of the people who work in our in our facilities in order to get the output we really want. You bring up so many good points, James, and I want to kind of dial back. You touched on it, and I want to see if you can give us a little bit more on it. So for manufacturers using predictive maintenance, um, 
how do they use the productivity and efficiency gains to lead to sustainability gains? You you did touch on it that it's just a it's a circle. It, it happens, and and if you save here and you know make sure your your machines are working at optimal levels, OEE, it's just going to be sustainable. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Are, do you see where I'm going? I know I'm rambling now too. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's, 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 it's a great question. And by the way, it's one we get all the time in this topic. So well done. You did it better than, than I usually say it myself. <laughs> um, I would say it, it, let's, let's talk about some facts and some figures, right? We don't want to be too deep dive into data here, but let's, let's use a couple of them to make a point. Uh, you know, uh, first, you know, there's the obvious point that machines that run correctly use less energy than those that run suboptimally. They, they run with some sort of uh, uh, mechanical problem going on. So, and by the way, a research report from EPRI, here's a statistic for you, uh, uh, the research report by EPRI, which is not new, uh, actually proved that machines that run out of optimal condition consume 15% more energy than those that run uh, run under the way they were designed to run. But, but, what, but what if you can't see that? What if you don't know it's in a suboptimal condition? you can't do anything about that. It's lost energy. You can't do anything about it unless you can see the fact that it's running that way. And so let's start with that from a predictive maintenance solution and prescriptive maintenance solutions that we, we offer, but other companies do too, is the fact that now I can have visibility into that. You know, our, our solution, for example, shows you when a machine needs to be, has imbalance or when there's structural looseness or when there's bearing wear or there's friction rise rising in the system. All the things in friction, imbalance, the misalignment, um, you know, over-lubrication, under-lubrication, whatever the problem might be, those are all things that drive us not to failure, at least not in the short term, but definitely to less than optimal performance. We all know from physics classes, if you ever took one of those, uh, even if you hated it, friction drives, you know, more, requires more energy to do the same job. If you have to fight friction, you have to use more energy. So if you can't see those things, you can't make an impact. And if we're talking 12 to 15%, so every percentage point of energy consumption we reduce is also a percentage point of carbon emissions you reduce, right? So if, if you look at that directly and tangibly, this ability to see your assets, to see what they're really doing, actually it lets you make a tangible impact. Does it improve the way you, you get output and throughput and know if your machine is going to fail? Yes, absolutely, it does do that, and I'll talk about that in a second. But just knowing how they're running every day <clears throat> lets you optimize for the amount of energy they consume, and you couldn't do that without a predictive solution. You have to have that in place and near continuous monitoring. Let me say one more thing about that. There are solutions that, that, are, not, that are predictive but really aren't continuous. And, and they're really good at catching failure, but they're not going to catch this. This is about continuous monitoring, not, not occasional monitoring. Continuous monitoring lets you see the healthy assets, and you can actually reduce how much energy they consume. Tangibly and practically, you can do that today. The other half of that, and this is something a lot of people don't really talk about so much, but, but I want to spend a couple of minutes here, is about, uh, is about downtime and how, what that contributes to sustainability. So NIST did a study. Uh, the National uh, Institute of Standards of Technology did a study several years ago that showed that in manufacturing in the U.S., not chemical specific, uh, but in manufacturing in the U.S., $3.3 billion of waste is generated due to unplanned downtime. So think about that, $3.3 billion in waste. 
that's a big number. Now it's not, you know, that's, that's, that's across all the industry verticals and there's a lot to say there. So what do we do about that? Well, obviously predictive maintenance solutions, their entire focus and meaning, uh, origin of meaning was to eliminate downtime. So while they all started. So, and so let's take about, so if we can do that, and today we can, we, we happen to have case studies with our, some of our customers who show in fact that, that they go to almost zero unplanned downtime across multiple facilities. So that's a solvable problem. So why does it matter? Well, if we take $3.3 billion, let's make that a bit more tactical. Um, nobody can, no, well, almost nobody can absorb $3.3 billion in their brain. So think about your process. Every in, you have lots of inputs into your process, right? Chemicals, energy, water, waste, whatever that is. Those are all inputs. But they're also potential waste streams. If you have a defect, then those, all that stuff you put in is now lost. And let's take energy for a second because everybody jumps into that, right? Everybody wants to talk about energy. It's the first thing most people think about when they think about environmental sustainability is, is environmental footprint and carbon emissions. So let's think about energy. So I bought, pick a number, 10 kilowatts of electricity to generate this product, which has now failed. So we just threw away 10 kilowatts that we'll now have to use another 10 kilowatts to reproduce the thing we just threw away because we have, we have capa we're not we're capacity constrained. I got to reproduce it. I can't just not make it. So now I have 10 kilowatts. But even that by itself isn't the full picture. Because if you look at the energy creation process, so depending upon the energy source used to create that 10 kilowatts, could only be 30% efficient. Which means actually it's a th factor of three how much resource was required to generate that, which is also now waste and now part of our sustainability efforts. So when you look at the full value stream of what waste drives, and I know, by the way, one more point, which I shouldn't forget, each step in the process is exponentially more waste that you've generated because as the value of the product goes up, so also is the amount of waste you've created when it fails. So, so that's two examples, and, 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 and those are kind of important examples about machine health specifically, but if I can drive Visibility into how the machines are operating, minimize the amount of energy they require, and at the same time eliminate defects, which leads to waste, which leads to sustainability issues as well, and sustainability impact, we can begin to make a change. And if you look, most of the companies, um, they, they have an idea of how much waste they generate. That's not an unknown, uh, unknown thing for them. They, they measure that already. If we could begin to attack that and eliminate one of the causes of that, direct immediate impact to their bottom line that they can report out. We've our waste uh, on how they've improved their ability to minimize the waste they're, they're contributing to the, to the environment. Well, obviously machine health has the ability to change the dynamics on so many things. And we, you, we've been talking about that focusing, you know, sustainability focuses on long-term outcomes, not the short-term gains, but you pointed out that machine health can change that dynamic on the short-term gains and, and help us visualize that a little bit better. But some view sustainability as vague or too difficult to measure and not applicable to real-world business. Um, can we talk a little bit about how machine health can help in those areas, meeting those goals? Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to make that a little bit bigger uh, than just machine health, if you're okay with that. I'll talk sure. about that machine health and process health because they combine together. So there's some good news. 
Um, and and, and now we, we so we just talked about downtime and also the buys and performance. And and I hope it's kind of getting obvious by now. If it's not, then I need to work on this pitch a bit, maybe. But but um, you know we can reduce energy consumption and we can do waste streams. So we can we can begin to impact that. And that can be a short term goal for your business. If I use less electricity today, I can report that. If I generate less waste today, that's a short term thing. I can make that very concrete and very, very uh, important. But now let's talk about process because that's the other part of this we haven't really spent a lot of time on, but it's really important. When we think about the entire process we're working on, imagine a world where we can actually choose what we want to optimize for across a bunch of objectives. I have throughput. I have quality. I have energy emissions. Uh, perhaps I have... Um, um, I don't know, pick something else. I, don't, I can't remember, think of anything else, but maybe there's, oh, maybe it's about uh, input. How much gas do I want to use or whatever, whatever your constraints are that you're being challenged to, to do. What if you could begin to actually put all of those into the same model and find out how you reach all of those objectives at the same time? And sustainability is baked in, and sorry, that's a cooking analogy, but it's baked into the recipe. It's no longer a thing you throw on. Maybe, maybe you keep it on the side as if you want it added on, right? Think about this like a cake and icing, right? You, you want it to be in the cake, not icing that someone can choose if they like your flavor of icing or not to put it on or not, right? My, that's about as good as I do with baking, so sorry if that doesn't make sense to those of you who are good at this. But, but if you think about that like that, I want sustainability to be an ingredient in the recipe when I make the cake. I don't want it to be a side thing that's on the side. I want it to be baked in. Well, now I can take and look and say, okay, how do I, in the short term, today, run my factory or my production line or whatever, you know, whatever scale you're at to, get, to maximize for all of these things? Can I do that? Well, yeah. As a matter of fact, what if is reality? Today, you can begin to do that. You can every single day, Look at your production line based on your constraints and, and your needs of the day. It's not chemical, but this is a funny, it's, a, it's, a, it's an example I like. Pretend you're an ice cream manufacturer, right? You have demand that's different depending upon summer and wintertime. In the summertime, you are optimizing for capacity. Much ice cream as you can pump out, you want to pump. Uh, by the way, many chemicals are in ice cream. Maybe they should be a chemical processing industry. <laughs> but, um, but, but, if you think, but in the wintertime, you don't. You, you maximize for cost, right? You maximize for cost. Your objectives change. Same thing is true in the chemical process. And you're going to have periods of demand where demand is higher. Electricity spot prices are higher. Um, raw materials may be more expensive sometimes of the year based on demand and other factors. You need to be able to account for all of those things to reach your objectives. And sustainability being one of them. If energy costs are higher, sustainability becomes a, a side benefit of you want to use electric, less electricity, right? But, but at the same time, I want to maximize my quality. That has a direct impact on your sustainability objectives because you're eliminating waste. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to say I want maximum throughput and maximum quality. In fact, you can never have 100% of both of those. But what you can pick is how, how close to each of those you want to come and find the, the best you can do and stay there repeatedly. So I guess that's, you know, I, I'm a little bit passionate about this topic because I don't believe sustainability should ever be a three-year objective. It should be what can I do today to make progress. 
and, and, and machine health and process health and, and you know, and other energy monitoring solutions and, and gas emission solutions or other solutions that are part of this mix can help us do that right now, today. And it doesn't have to be six years from now or when I finish building the next generation of plants. My assets, my people, my process right now, I can do something different today than I did yesterday and make a change in the sustainability targets. And that's, that's what we're trying to push here. A very inspiring and very um, so much to think about and so many things to, to concepts to, to bring together. Uh, what about cross-functional collaboration and, and where does that um, where does machine health and process health enable that kind of coordination? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. So my vision for the world and 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 what I believe is possible is that when we talk about the future work. Force. We talk about the war, and when I say future, I mean next week, not 10 years from now. So uh, it's too bad you can't see my hands. I really do a good job of using my hands. But, <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, but when we talk about the future workforce, we see the combination of things like machine health and process health completely transforming the way teams work. And instead of working in silos with separate goals and objectives, now they can begin to have visibility into common shared objectives and targets which include their sustainability goals. And this aligned view means that we can ask very different questions than we ever could before. Things in, instead of saying, how do I manage maintenance and how do I manage operations, it's how do I manage my maintenance plan to optimize performance while at the same time maximizing throughput and minimize our waste streams and our energy consumption? And how is my team going to achieve that goal today? How do I leverage the machine to be sure it's running suboptimally to minimize energy consumption while at the same time maximizing quality and making the entire process using the minimum amount of energy and input? Together, they're looking at that and saying, okay, how do we do that together? How do we, we, we now have a shared objective. I want uptime, I want optimal machines, and I want maximum uh, ability to manage my, my production line at the same time. How do I jointly do that together? How do I share the insights for us to both succeed? And with the break down those silos, then that's the way we'll deliver collaboration. And the technologies are an enabler to do that. They're not, they're not, they're not the driver to do that, by the way. This requires teams and companies to, to be willing to sign up for change management and culture management. We, we can never, ever ignore that. It changes the way people work. Um, I, I've said my, 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 hopefully, someday it's going to be infamous, but right now it's just uh, semi-famous comment is that our goal is to is to rip out the ampersand between maintenance and operations. Hmm. And, and and for many organizations, that's a key important point. You know, that ampersand that you see when they write M and O or whatever, however they tend to write that, that ampersand is a wall today. And to really get to collaboration, we have to rip that out. And these, these technologies, these solutions allow us to do that, to tackle together the goals like sustainability. So, for me, I think it's a tremendous opportunity for chemical manufacturers in particular to be a leader in this effort because they do get under a lot of scrutiny for, for their environmental and sustainability objectives just by the very nature of their processes. By take, they have the opportunity now to, to leverage the right technologies with the right cultural mindset, with the right organizational objectives to actually be the leaders in sustainability by driving how manufacturing is done and how we empower people to actually be responsible for and contribute to sustainability every single day. 
Well, James, your passion is very evident, and our conversation engaging folks, all the stakeholders involved in in chemical processing, uh, engaging them in what they care about to parlay that into sustainability success um, truly was a great conversation here today, and I appreciate all of the time and thought you put into this, Um, and I really want cake and ice cream now after all of this conversation as well. (laughs) <laughs> so we, we do our best to make sure that the people feel it in there, feel it in there with it emotionally as much as technology and cake and ice cream are a good way to get there. <laughs> Indeed. Well, I appreciate everything that you've given us today. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for the opportunity to, uh, to chat, and thanks for uh, letting me share a little bit of my passion about this topic. On behalf of James and the folks over at Augury, thanks for listening to this edition of Solution Spotlight.